0: Brick Moon Fiction Presents Consumed by Sam French Narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle Captain's Log, Day 1 I'm on a fucking boat. A ship, I suppose. Everyone keeps calling it a ship. One of those old wooden ones, too. The kind I made out of Legos when I was a kid. The kind you'd see in paintings. The wood's synthetic, of course. Grown in a lab. It's not like there are redwoods or oaks to just be chopping down at will. And then, with the synthetic wood, this ship was constructed. It wasn't like they found it at the bottom of the ocean or anything. The firm put together a team of archaeologists, anthropologists, maritime history experts, and said, Make this! I swear to God, I was so scared to step foot on it. It rocks back and forth in the tide. How did people used to do this? How did they will themselves deeper into the horizon, their homes behind them, shrinking, going away, lost from sight? The last time I traveled across the ocean, it was on a beauty of a thing. All plastics and metals and hyperdrives and just the thick smell of gasoline on the air and the pop as you broke the sound barrier. I was on Majorca on the faux beach in no time. You can't smell salt anymore. But there's apparently a reason this fucking trip has to be made in this thing moving along at a pace that would bore a snail. There's a reason I have to vomit every five minutes below deck and attend to a crew of sailors who have been studying and training for this mission their entire lives. I don't exactly know what the reason is, something to do with the boxes we carry below, but I also know my reason actually isn't one reason. It's one million reasons. Enough to afford plenty of trips back to Majorca in a speed tube, the way God and the devil both intended me to travel. There are ropes and sails, and the wind swells. I am constantly sick from all the rocking back and forth. But it does feel like salt could almost be on the air. Captain's Log, Day 4 The sailors are, in fact, scientists. They've told me over and over again. But they're also sailors. They scurry up the masts like they're from another century. They swing on ropes like Tarzan. Their skins are tanned and their hands are blistered. But at dinnertime, as the sun sets again and again and again, they speak softly. They read. They compare charts and graphs and numbers, and they discuss theories. They know more about the synthetic wood the ship is built out of than I know about anything. They worked in the lab where it was invented, patented, and grown. And they know what's in the boxes. But they won't tell me. One of the sailor-slash-scientists has a massive tattoo on his back of a plant that used to exist. It was called basil. He told me about how it tasted. He didn't tell me how, he knew. The secrets of our ancestors are seeds, our vines, our growth. We offer our own legacy. Concrete, synthetic soils, stalks of rubbery protein growing pale yellow in labs underground. Captain's Log, Day 6. Well, technically night six. I woke up and my watch was missing. This great hunk of plastics and metals in the postmodern couture style that my ex-wife got me had been on me when I went to sleep and then wasn't when I woke up. When I first came on the ship, some of the sailors slash scientists had pointed at it and laughed. It is an extravagant luxury for a trip like this, I admit. Not even used to tell the time. Total decoration. So my first thought was that one of them stole it right off my wrist, a violation of trust. My room was dark and I must have been sleeping heavily. The rolling waves and the total absence of things to anchor oneself to our real world will put you deep beyond deep. And I thought someone must have come in and slipped it off my wrist. I'd seen how they tie knots. Their fingers are quick. Next thought, do I confront them and risk a mutiny? Or do I let it slide and risk the slow rotting away of the moral fabric of our community? A watch is just a watch. Expensive as this one was, it was a drop of water in the ocean of what I'd be making for the trip. But what would come next? The wind was whistling, and I went above to see if I could find the sailor and handle things privately, and also to see if the wind was a forewarning to a storm. Every last one of them was above, and every last one of them chuckled in the face of my accusations it drove me mad. The wind had nothing on me. They had to prove to me that they didn't take the watch, one by one, tearing apart their belongings, combing the ship's every nook and cranny, but none of them had it, and they kept chuckling. The only place we didn't look was in the boxes. We couldn't. Even I wasn't willing to break a primary directive. I sat down below with the boxes in nearly total darkness, turning my anger and suspicion in their direction. Frothing at the mouth. Little motes of purple seemed to float in the air, sparkling, swirling. My wrist burned. I woke up. I'd been dreaming. Below with the boxes. As I said, you sleep deeply this far out in the world from anything of substance, from anything sturdy. Captain's log, day 23. Times passed. Trust was slowly won back, for both parties. I began to trust the sailors slash scientists and they began to trust me. Now we laugh together. They teach me knots. I tell them stories. We talk about our grandparents and those who came before them. One day we take rags from below and turn them to costumes and pretend to be pirates. The sort of nonsense I used to fear, but now embrace any break in monotony to keep from going mad. It's just endless sea. It's just empty. Tell the truth, I said, finally one evening, drunk on lab rum, high on lab pot. What's in the boxes? A rainforest, winks a particularly colorful pirate, and then he bares his teeth like a mad dog and mimes chewing apart an entire city. Captain's log, day 31. An island in the middle of nowhere is all I've been told. "'Captain's Log, Day 33. "'There is a certain peace to being unreachable. "'We are all each other has. "'The purple motes continue to haunt my dreams, "'and sometimes they seem to form on my wrist "'where my old watch used to be, "'like they are sucking my blood. "'I get these little rashes. "'The ship creaks, but it stays strong. "'We saw a whale or some dark shadow like it "'below the surface of the water.' What mysteries are below us at any given time? We gave up exploring that frontier before I was even born. It was rotting away, just like above the surface. I keep pushing for more details about where we are going, why we are going there, and what is in the boxes. At nights, sometimes I stand at the edge of the ship looking at the reflection of the stars in the water and I can see the purple. I'm not dreaming. I'm scared of... It's hard to explain or to find words of being consumed. My wrist aches. Captain's log, day thirty-seven. A small leak sprang today. It was plugged within minutes. Tiny bits of water leaked in, a reminder of our own proximity to death, but a gentle reminder all the same. I tasted the water, and it was salty and putrid, I could taste the briny skeletons of eel. All around us the ocean is just waves, ghostly shadows, and bobbing trash as far as the eye can see. Massive floating chunks of plastic and rubbish, from hundreds of years ago even. They're immortal monsters. It's hard not to feel guilty. It's hard not to feel responsible. I talked to one of the older sailor slash scientists about the ocean and asked him to describe how... It made him feel. He sang an old song whose lyrics he'd read and whose melody he'd made up. He told me he wouldn't have kids. He wouldn't bring them into the mass of concrete and plastic and unending heat. He let the back of his neck burn, and it was bubbling with blisters. Did you know we breathe in particles of plastic? The particulate of it all is in the air always, and we take it in when we breathe, and we don't let it back out, he asked. They're in our bloodstream now. They're in our lungs. When we have children, they feed off it from our wombs. We can't really be rid of it all on our own. He pinched the back of his neck and howled in pain. Captain's Log, Day 41. The purple sparks are not part of a nightmare or a dream. They are real. They ate the man with the burnt neck. I don't know if eight is the right word. They clouded around him like a swarm of locusts, and when they dispersed, he was gone. Tiny bits of bone clattered onto the wooden deck. No one seemed surprised. No one seemed scared or shocked. He had cancer, one of them said. From the sun or from the plastic in his lungs, I asked. They seemed surprised I knew any of it. What happened to him, I asked. They picked up his bones and threw them into the water. The trust is gone. Maybe it never really was here. Where are we going? What is in the boxes? What is in the air? Are we all going to die? My questions were bones, and they too fell into the water with hardly a splash, sinking below the surface, unanswered, unmourned. I stayed awake all night thinking of his song, of his refusal to reproduce, of the skin he had and what possibly could have happened to it, of rage and melody and rot. Why a wooden boat? What is their trust left in this universe, under the sea or by the stars? Why not fly the boxes to this strange island, whatever it may be? This isn't a storybook. This isn't a painting. A very long time ago, bones would be tossed to predict the future, "'to tell weary travelers of their fortunes. "'But we don't need that. "'Captain's log, day forty-two. "'Oddly enough, in a pile of dirt left on the deck to remember him by. "'A sprout of green. "'A shade I've never seen before. "'Captain's log, day forty-three. "'I sit in the near dark by the boxes. "'The sun has set. "'It was violent and pink.' The crushed, rotting flesh of grapefruit. We've seen photographs of grapefruit. That's the color of tonight's sky. The boxes are wooden as well. They smell older than time itself. Are they vibrating? Is it sound I hear or movement I feel? No purple, only thick black, maybe brown, whatever you'd call light when it is almost no more. My eyes slowly adjust. My wrist burns where my undiscovered watch had been. I fall asleep. I wake up. I fall asleep. Captain's Log, Day 44 The journey is more than half over. Or it should be, if we've kept course and pace. Knowing this feels good. It feels like things are tipping in my favor. I held a man in the air by his throat. One of the scientists... Small man with stubble and shifting eyes. I caught him whispering, laughing, watering the small plant that continues to grow from our makeshift graves. Slammed him into the mast while the others around me watched, silently. What are they? He looked at me with eyes already dead. Air meant nothing to him. The air is poison. The promise of tomorrow, earthly tomorrow or celestial, is all. What? Are they? I dragged him down below, plunged his hand into a box, and watched him scream, laugh. His arm is gone now. He's bleeding outside my cabin. Laughing, still. He thinks he's won something. Captain's Log, Day 61. We pulled a massive chunk of plastic out of the water today. I thought it was the whale again. It was the size of one. All of us had to pitch in. First time we've worked together in weeks. It's been me against them or them against me or us just coexisting across the universe. But we pulled this dripping mess out of the ocean, a swamp monster of sorts, the most depressing monument to human accomplishment I'd ever seen. Bottles and lids and trash and algae and tiny fish trying to break free and even a decomposing sea turtle its eyes desperately humming. "'Okay now,' one of them said, and went below deck. He returned carrying a box. "'Stand back,' he warned me and the others. I thought I stepped far enough back, but one of them dragged me fifteen feet more. He opened the box, and the purple swarmed the air around it and him. The specks hung in the air in a threatening cloud for a moment, and then latched onto him and onto the massive pile of plastic on the deck." Someone was screaming. Others were cheering. The man next to me smiled at me as if to say, Now, now you know. The purple cloud dispersed and there was no plastic. There was no man. The entire area clear of toxins. Captain's Log, Day 63 What is this island in the middle of nowhere that we are going to, I ask, though I've already determined the answer a few days more, perhaps. On the deck more plants are blooming. Every day we dredge up more plastic and another man dies. Sacrifices. Moves on in their path. Does something of consequence. The others have a long list of words to describe it. They're drunk most of the time. Captain's Log Day 66. The microorganisms were developed in a lab in Mexico and tested off the coast of Ecuador where a large mass of plastic had been polluting the waters. The tests were deemed successful despite the significant loss of human life. No one had said it out loud, but the loss had been expected. The Microorganisms were essentially programmed to feast off plastic. Plastic in the water, plastic in the trees, plastic in the ground. They would not be able to differentiate between plastic in the water and the plastic cased within human flesh. Perhaps there wasn't really a difference anyway. The waters were cleaned. Plants, some synthetic, some natural, were growing. The humans that remained were healthier. They mourned their losses, but agreed that it was worth it. The lab continued to work, sold its patent, began production. Thousands of boxes were sent out on wooden boats in all directions, the CEO of the lab stood before his workers and read aloud from Tale of Two Cities, "'It is a far, far better thing that I do than I have ever done. It is a far, far better rest that I go to than I have ever known, and let himself be consumed.'" Captain's Log, Day 71. "'The island is larger than I thought it would be. You cannot see beyond or around it. It is just coastline.'" all of it plastic. Mixed in it are dead creatures. It has its own tidal force. It can be seen from outer space, one of the remaining scientists tells me. Now you know why we're here, and why it is worth it. We bring up the boxes, hundreds of them left, and row them out to the island. Stepping onto the mass, I think of Columbus, of Apollo, of science and discovery, of foolishness. When every box is unloaded, we will burn the ship and watch it sink below the surface from the comfort of the plastic beach. We will open the boxes. We will be unwritten. Perhaps our atoms will fertilize something better. Sam French is a writer and director located in Brooklyn. Originally from Florida, he is a recent graduate of Carnegie Mellon University. His plays have been produced in Pittsburgh, Florida, Martha's Vineyard, and New York. His short story, A Love Letter to the Boys of Summer, won the Adamson Award for Fiction at CMU. Sam was named a Top 20 Artist Under 25 in the Tampa area by Creative Loafing Magazine and has two one-acts published by Baker's Plays. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, Sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.